everyone. Welcome back to Fostering Growth Pod. Uh, I'm your host, Laura. I'm here with my super duper cutie patootie younger brother, four years separated twin, because everybody says that we look like each other. And his name is Alex. Hey, how we doing, everybody? <laughs> everything but his name. <laughs> oh, you know, right? Yeah. It says everything about my charming ways, <laughs> minus my name. Um, We're back with another good episode for you guys um i have been talking to alex and telling him that i want to talk a little bit more of the foster aspect because after all this is a fostering growth and it's not just you know taking care of ourselves and our mental health and physical health and everything that you know we've talked about before but it is also to bring awareness you know to um the foster care system and things that happen not just only to us, but, you know, other kids in the system. Um, that's why I always kind of, you know, say at the end of the episode of like emailing us, you know, anybody who wants to share their story, um, you know, it always can be anonymous. Like we won't put names out there, but it would be nice, you know, to have people share their stories um, so that others, you know, can feel like they're not the only ones and they're not alone in this. Um, we share as much as we can and, you know, feel comfortable with. So this is a place where we can share our struggles, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, this is the equal ground here. Yeah. And, and it's a safe space. Like we really are not here to judge anybody, no matter like, you know, anything that has happened to them or they have done or anything like we're just here to build a community, you know, where everybody feels safe. They can communicate, they can seek help, um, advice, um, you know, and and anything that we can do to help. Um, and that's why I've mentioned before that I started the, this podcast. So here's a little more um, about the foster aspect where uh, we are going to talk about a TV show that I have mentioned before on the podcast um, called The Fosters. And it's a TV series um, that ran from 2013 to 2018. And it does have a, what is that called? Like a spinoff show called Good Trouble, which airs on uh, right now. So it's currally airing. Yeah, it's it's, cool. Yeah. I think it's on its fourth season and it just started um, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I've mentioned it before. And like I've said, I really like um, this like show because it talks about a lot of different things. Um, but we're going to start with the Fosters. And I told Alex, hey, watch this show. And then we're going to talk about it <laughs> on the podcast. Kind of like um, a rewatch review kind of thing. Yeah. But- and I'm not going to lie. It took me a minute to kind of get into the series. Not because I didn't want to or anything, you know. But um, I mean, life got in the way for a little bit. But um, after making time to watch the first episode, yeah, I'm I'm honestly really ready to dissect this. <laughs> yeah, the show because it's, it's a very good show. It's it really. I mean, you've only watched the first episode, so I know the that first episode, you know, you can kind of yeah. Give it some. But everything that just happens, like there's just so many things that I related to, and I'm sure that you related to as well. Um, and we're gonna be able to kind of you know go over that and share our experiences and our feelings, but also you know talk about other things that maybe did not happen to us. But in the TV show, it was kind of like a scenario of like, hey, you know, this has happened or could happen, or you know, I'm assure you, 
they didn't have to put up based on true events. Like I'm pretty sure that a bunch of these scenarios. The average foster child can give you a good yeah. experience. Yeah, trailing. exactly. Um, so yeah, we're starting with the Foster's TV show. Um, it is rated uh, TV 14. Um, there is a couple of, you know, mature scenes, I would say. Uh, so kind of a, what is it? Viewer discretion? Viewer <laughs> discretion advised. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, it's, it's still a great. Um, it's a good show. It's yeah. a good show. Um, it's categorized under the family drama and teen. So that, you know, even family is, is something good, you know, to watch with family. Yeah. <laughs> um, created by Peter Page and Bradley Red, Redwig. Redwig. <laughs> and uh, it premiered, like I said, in 2013 and concluded in 2018. Um, so I just want to uh, kind of mention a couple of characters here that we're going to be seeing uh during the show um and also the uh, actor's name so we have steph foster um who was played by terry polo uh lena adams um played by sherry song or maybe song song lena adams is the police right is the, no, no steph, you, steph, oh, steph is, is the police, police and lena is the principal we'll get to that oh <laughs> yeah Callie Jacob is uh, Maya Mitchell. Uh, Jude Jacob is Hayden, or played by Hayden Byerly. Byerly. Um, Brandon Foster is played by David Lambert. Uh, Mariana Adams is played by Sierra Ramirez. And Jesus Foster is played by Jake T. Austin, who many of you uh, may know if you did watch or have watched this show before, uh, is played by Noah Centineo um, after season two. So I think season one is going to be Jake T. Austin, and then he's going to get recasted <laughs> in season two and so on and so forth. By you got to love those recastings. Like, like Just to kind of like get off a of track, you know, you got to love those series when they just recast. Hey, man, I, who knows why it happens? I mean, I mean they probably get get other shows or movies for like a different price you know like hey we'll pay you this yeah, much and then be like all right like, bye pizza. yeah <laughs> Peace exactly. out. but imagine having to recast that whole character like, you know. anyways and the re- and once you see the recast it's like a whole different oh, like God. it's not even like a, oh you would never know <laughs> you would never know anyways that sounds bad but all right so the tv show um follows the lives of a multi-ethnic family with a mix of foster and biological kids being raised by two moms. Step Foster, a dedicated police officer as Alec, uh, Alex. Um, what's uh, what's the word? Said earlier? No, 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 no. Mentioned no. earlier? No, no, no. Previously no. Spoiled? Mentioned? <laughs> Spoiled? Oh, yeah, I Spoiled. guess. I said. I'm just kidding. Spoilers. <laughs> Can we move that? Spoilers. Nope, we cannot fix it. Not now. Step Foster, I mean. a dedicated police officer, and her partner, Lena Adams, a school vice principal who have built a strong family with Steph's biological son from a previous marriage um, named Brandon and their adopted twins, Mariana and Jesus. So the setting is in San Diego, California. So that's kind of funny because that's our setting too, San Diego, California. Um, Their lives are turned upside down when Lena meets Callie, a teen with an abusive past who has hardened from being in and out of foster homes. Lena and Steph decide to welcome Callie into their home, thinking it will be temporary. Dun, dun, dun. 
Little did they know. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I know. Sometimes you think it's for a short placement. Like, I didn't know how long I was going to be in my first foster placement. But I ended up... We stayed there for a good minute. Like, well, in my first one, I stayed there for like a couple months. And then I was moved. Um, No, not for... Not for this and gentleman then, here. I know, I know. You we were moved around. I so bounced much. around like Super Mario going through Super Worlds. Bro. Look, you were just a kid and all the one dash. It's through. hard to deal with younger kids and you guys took meds and we'll get into that. But all right. So starting with off with season one, episode one, Callie goes to live in the care of Lena and her partner Steph. So the episode begins, uh, in the Chula Vista Juvenile Detention Center, or Juvie for short. <laughs> ah. Callie is in the Juvie line with other girls, and the girls begin harassing her and beating on her because they know that it's her last day in Juvie. So Callie walks out with a busted lip and a bruised cheek because she got beat up inside Juvie, and she's asking David about Jude, and she's insisting that she wants to talk to Jude. David brings over Callie to meet Lena and mentions about taking Callie to a group home, kind of making her feel, you know, bad saying, hey, if you don't want her, I'll just group her over here. And Callie's giving Lena those puppy eyes of like, please don't let him take me to a group home. Like, you see what happened to me in Juvie? Look at my eye. And so Lena accepts the temporary placement. And that's when we get the intro to the Fosters. You know, do do do. So actually, a really good intro. I'm like, on it. I liked it. It was really upbeat considering the setting that it was. You know, first supposedly setting. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, um, and they have good songs in there. All right. So the next scene is kind of the family meeting Callie for the first time, and so uh, Mariana and Jesus are helping uh, Lena set the table, and Mariana's looking at Callie like, "Who's this girl? What happened to her? Why is she all bruised up?" Lena mentions to Mariana and Jesus that they were also in the foster system. So she's saying like the twins, Mariana and Jesus, uh, were in foster and they were with them for about eight years. And then they got adopted after three years. So eight years total. It's been five years since they got adopted. Um, Mariana asks Kelly or sorry, Mariana asks about Kelly and Lena tells them that she was talking to Bill who is another, you know, um, worker or caseworker who set the twins with her. So it's kind of like if Bill is Mariana and Jesus' social worker and David, the one that was talking to Lena in the beginning, is kind of like Callie's social worker kind of a thing. Um, so she, like he mentioned that Callie needed somewhere to stay uh, temporarily and they thought about them. So they accepted them. Um Lena also mentions that she was talking to Bill in the like the reason why she was talking to Bill before Callie was brought up was because um she was talking to him about their birth mom about Mariana and Jesus birth mom to set up a meeting to like meet up with her and we experienced that a lot in uh, foster care where we would have like meetings with our mom um after she got out of vacation aka uh, jail <laughs> Um, prison, not jail. She served time in prison. Let's okay. be real. I'm sorry. That's just jail and prison is the same word for me. But okay. Prison. An inmate. Would but we look, would call it vacation. Just to be I know. Nicer. An inmate would look at you so mad right now. Oh, saying God. <laughs> sorry, guys. Um. 
Yeah. So Mariana's not very happy or excited about it. And that's kind of weird to Lena because she says like, hey, Mariana's been talking about this for months. So like, why all of a sudden are you not okay with, you know, wanting to meet up with your mom? I mean, she understood about Jesus. You know, she understood that one. She understood that he didn't. But she, to her, it was surprising that Mariana didn't want to all of a sudden. That's what I'm up. saying. Like, she's saying, no, why I mean, is no, Mariana? No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, to her, like, it was such a surprise. Because, like, she didn't expect that from her. But, like, from Jesus, it was like, oh, yeah, I know he didn't want to come. But why you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, she was kind of confused of, like, saying, if Mariana has been talking about this for months, why all of a sudden is she not happy? Yes, Jesus doesn't want to see the mom. And Mariana apparently has changed her mind. That's what is stated in that scene. But I'm saying, I was just, <laughs> what? Um, Callie is in the bathroom crying, <laughs> sadly. Uh, I've experienced that before where, I mean, you just don't know what to do in that situation. And you want to excuse yourself and then cry. And it was like either in the bathroom or like, you know, when you go to bed. But I know that it's always hard when you first. What? This is going to be depressing because like how you, how you say that. And actually, it's like the first time I remember like my sad moment in foster care was when I was at Polinsky. Like mm-hmm. after they had just taken us away. Mm-hmm. It was 4.30 in the morning and I cried in my bowl of Cheerios. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh just but for some reason that was just the most hilarious like adult me just found that so unbelievably hilarious like dude that's crazy that was like my first like like ever like when like getting into foster care after they like wrote my name down and did the whole like okay mijo you guys are safe now you're gonna go to your unit now yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my unit okay now i'm like she was like here's your bowl of cheerios you know, have a good morning oh <laughs> what a great morning i'm about to have <laughs> uh, <laughs> for Kelly. I know. I I mean, I remember, like, mostly crying at night, like, before bed, just thinking of, like, I wonder how you guys are. And, you know, my own feelings of why am I here? Like, I want to go back home. And I remember also, like, uh, I think I got about three or four new foster sisters because I stayed in one place for three years. And I remember one of the girls, like, she would cry every single night. And I'm just like, it's okay. And I think she did get reunited with her family, which was cool. It's good. Yeah, but she was just, like, really, like, every night crying, crying. And I'm like, I I, I just didn't know what to say because I'm like, I know I've been through it. Like, when I first got here, it's like a rite of, rite of, rite rite of, of passage. Rite of passage. Oh, my God. I you know. have to cry in this house for, like, weeks at a time to be one of us. And, and the, the worst part is that, you know what? As kids, like you we're crying and all of that. But when you're an adult and you kind of think, and especially like me being a mom, like I look at my kid and I'm like, like, you know, Jordan is eight years old. Like, this is the age. When you look at Jordan, that's the age I was when we went into foster care. Yeah. No, younger than that. No, I was eight. eight. Yeah. Like the first time ever. And then we lived with Kaki, which was kind of like a family thing. And I remember turning um 11 at hers and then being moved again and it was like you say that cognies for three years no 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 i was like i don't remember no no no. we went in when i was eight but it was anyways that's another story not we were in a cocky we were cocky with like for like a year that's awesome yeah no i'm just saying when i remember turning 11 with cocky and then after that i went to the longer placement where it was three years where i turned 12 and they didn't accept 
kids over 12 because I was a teenager already at 12. And I'm like, 13 is a teenager. Mm-hmm. But she kept me for longer. And then you I turned, 20. yeah. And then when I turned 14, that's when we were placed with grandma because I have pictures of my birthday party. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that birthday party. But yeah, so I had a birthday party and my grandma was at 14. Woo! <laughs> but anyways. Um, I forget she's ASL. <laughs> um, Brandon finally comes in and says that he made it to the finals in his piano competition because when we first see him, he's playing the piano. Uh, and that's when he meets Callie. So then Callie asks very rudely, how'd you get him? pointing at Brandon or kind of nod, nodding over at Brandon. And then Lena's like, oh, he's uh, Steph's biological son from a previous marriage. And then that's when Steph walks in and she's wearing her police uniform. And Callie's kind of like, oh, shoot. Because once again, she has problems with uh, authorities. <laughs> um, she mentions uh, about Lena and Steph's relationship, you know, of them being... Um, lesbians but in a more bad way she says the d word that's as far as we're yeah like go. oh you guys are that i don't know uh and then about brandon being a real son in front of the twins and it clearly upsets them because nobody wants to sit down in your dinner table saying like oh he's your real son and they are adopted they're technically real son and daughter but it makes us feel like, yeah, we're not part of the family. And um, I never got adopted, but I did get offer like somebody to adopt me or my foster parents to adopt me. And I remember telling them like, oh, if you adopt my brothers, like, that's cool. Like, we'll all be together. And then they're like, nah, we just want you. And I was like, nah, I want my brothers. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, there's just this thin line between, you know, being a real, in quotations, yeah. And I mean, child it doesn't and an even, adopted child. It doesn't really have to even apply to an adopted child, too. Because, like, as a foster kid, I remember some foster families, they would graciously uh, drop the foster and they would be like, you know, that's my son or, you know, this and that or that's my that's my daughter. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, used to sleep in houses where they were like, oh, that's my foster son. That's my foster daughter. And. There is stank to that, you know, yeah. like obviously, you know, you're not of their blood and everything, but they're supposed to be your quote unquote parent, guardian, caretaker. So, you know, you look up to them for that. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see that even they at at, at, at times would kind of like, um, what's the word? I want to say like, oh, it's like the, I want to say like almost like a, not demasculinize, but like, like, or dehumanize. There we go. Like mm-hmm. almost dehumanize you. Cause I mean, that's what it felt for me. It felt nice, not nice being told, yeah, you're my uh, foster child. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, thanks. Like, not only am yeah. I not yours, you're, 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 you're thinking that barrier in being like, like, oh, you know, this is this person and this is my foster kid. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it you're was like, you can just say that. my kid. Nobody yeah. needs to know I'm foster. But then again, you know, you're blatantly putting me in a box. So. No. Oh, memories. Um, so Steph being a police officer, um, she's setting down rules, you know. She knows that uh Callie has been in juvie and she is kind of, you know, concerned with all the bruises and the busted lip, but 
she's only there temporary. So she's like, hey, here's some rules. 7 p.m. curfew on Sunday or school nights, which I didn't have a curfew. I never was let outside. I I was only allowed outside with like my foster parents or the son of my foster mom. But I I wasn't allowed outside by myself. Um, Must ask permission from Lena or Steph before leaving the house. So obviously, you know, just ask if you could leave the house or let them know. I'm going to school while she's staying there. Um, she's going to be attending Anchor Beach Charter School, which Lena is the vice principal there. And then Callie's just kind of like, whatever, like it's the same rules. She kind of like interrupts and is like, where am I going to sleep? Like, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not her first rodeo. You know, it's not her first foster home. Uh, and kind of Stefan, Steph looks at her like, okay, this girl, <laughs> she's, she's bad. They set her up in the living room. (laughs) They set her up in the living room. And she asked about having like a toothbrush or anything. Like Lena's like asking Callie, like, hey, do you have this? Do you have that? And Callie's kind of like giving her an attitude of like, really? Like, I just got here. Like, I don't have anything. And it sucks because sometimes that happens. Sometimes kids are removed from a place and they don't even have time to collect their stuff. Like, you know, it depends on the situation of what happened. But when we were taken away, we didn't take anything. We were just, it was us and probably like one change of clothes, two changes of clothes, like a small backpack, but we didn't take anything of belongings or anything. I don't remember. Honestly, I can remember up until like the age of either going to Kaki's or after. Mm-hmm. Having stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't have, but every time I went to a new foster home, I got everything new, new clothes, yeah, new exactly. underwear, new shirts, new mm-hmm. pants, new tooth. This is like, they just picked you up they didn't they didn't go tell you to pack your stuff like as soon as a foster parent told you i don't want you no more it was literally sign the lease and agreement we'll pick it up yeah it was like a a delivery service yeah yeah which again it's it's very it's very sad to say that you know it could it might very well still be going on now but i mean there's more awareness to it yeah thankfully no and We'll put a pin on that because there is something that I'm going to bring up later on um, about helping out foster kids and, um, you know, for their stuff and all that. It's like a little. But it was also very interesting to note that after she asked her for the toothbrush and just before, um, I believe. uh, uh, What's her name? Because I'm. I know. I'm blanking on her name. Which one? The the mom cop. um, Steph. Steph, okay, I gotta, uh, Steph. before she walks in, Callie was gonna like open up. We saw that moment where yeah, she was well, like her walls. I, I was gonna get to that because the way that she opens up, like Callie gives her attitude, and then Lena's kind of like, "Hey, like we're on your side. Like we're trying to help you. You know, you gotta, you gotta take it down a notch. You gotta, you gotta work with us." And that's when Callie's kind of like, "Okay, yeah." And then Lena asks about Jude. And then Callie's kind of like, well, I'm going to open up to her. And then Steph walks in and she's like not comfortable around Steph. Um, so, yeah, we we get another, another instance. And we're like, as a foster kid, you find someone that you're about to open up to. And then mm-hmm. like, you don't want to open up to any everybody else. Or you don't want everybody to listen to it. So as soon as somebody else comes in the room, that gives you that You're perfect, like, oh. gives you that perfect opportunity to build your back, to build back up your walls. Excuse me. Yeah. And it's like, yep. Oh. Go back to whatever we were talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. It's just hard to want to open up because you never know when you're just going to be moved. So, like, you don't want to uh, get familiar with them or you don't want to 
you know, get too comfortable because you just never know when you're going to leave again. Yeah, you couldn't <laughs> sit there and get too attached. Yeah. So, um, what was I? Um, yeah, so Lena's kind of like, okay, so what were you saying, Kelly? And Kelly's like, never mind. Uh, what about that toothbrush? Give me that toothbrush. So, yeah. So, Steph walks into the twins speaking Spanish. Um, and they're talking about Callie. And she's like, hey, you know, whatever Callie said. Because she, she noticed that the twins were, like, not okay with what Callie said about Brandon being the real son. And she's like, hey, you are as much as... They're as much as their kids as Brandon is. So, she's like, you guys are mine. Doesn't matter if you did not come out of me. You know, you are still my children. Yeah. And then we get a really, 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 really sad scene of Callie in the tub, all bruised up, and she's just sitting in there sad. And she notices a turtle, a little turtle kind of sticker thing on on the wall, on the bathtub wall, tile wall, shower wall, whatever you want to call it, which uh, is important to later. So Steph is telling Brandon about the situation with Callie, you know. So I don't think it's cool. That Steph is telling Brandon, like, the whole thing with Callie. Where, like, you know, she she tells him, like, yeah, Callie is in juvie. So I need you to, like, kind of step it up. And I'm like, I get it at the same time. Because that's her, you know, biological son. And the oldest one there. And so she's asking him to kind of, you know, step it up. So he she has to give him that background of like, oh, Kelly was in jail. But at the same time, I don't think it's cool that she released that information, you know, on day one kind of thing. So and I don't it's, know. to me, too, surprising how before all that interaction, she goes to the twins and tells them, like, you know, you're much. And I get it. She does explain, you know, as to why she doesn't tell the twins either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As to like, oh, you know, uh, exactly. Kelly's yeah. situation. But it's like mm-hmm. if they were. And I don't want to bring doubt, you know, like like you should have told them as well. Like if they're your kids and in my personal opinion, yeah, like just I agree with you. Like she should have at least let them know too. And and that's why I brought up like maybe because he's the oldest and which that that makes sense too. Yeah. That's the only reason why I would think. And but it also could be like, oh, like biological son kind of thing. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like I understand that. And she made a great argument saying that, like, with what's going on with the twins and the way that, like, she kind of, like, upset them earlier, it wouldn't mm-hmm. even, it wouldn't even be it better. It would be bad, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be even, it'd be feeding, Thanks. you know, uh, like, wood to the fire or flames. It'd be feeding the flames. Yeah, I so. get that. That's true. That's very true. So, yeah. So, um, Brandon's kind of like, uh, why is she here then if she's a violent person? Um, she reassures, you know, that Callie's fine, that he just needs to... He just needs to kind of step up, you know, and help out. Then Mariana is seen in the kitchen and she's taking some medicine. She just, you know, opening up a pill bottle, putting them in her hand. But they look like it's not hers. Whose are they? Whose are they, Alex? Uh, they are Jesus's. Jesus's. As when Kathy comes over. Kathy and Callie. Callie, sorry, <laughs> Kathy. Well, probably thinking about from Kit Kat bar. Um, but when Callie comes over, because Callie kind of like, not gonna lie, was was, was, was creeping, kinda, yeah, creeping, <laughs> eye dropping her, like doing her whole lingo. And then, like, Mariana comes out with like the most basic, like, excuse. She says, I just wanted some water. <laughs> well, you're reaching over the you're reaching up the top, but you needed some water. Understood. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, so Callie, you know, she comes over and she reaches over into said basket because she's like, what's she doing? And she realizes that Mariana is taking her brother's uh, medicine pills, which we don't know why, but we just know that she's doing this. Yeah. So Jesus is taking methylphenidate. <laughs> methylphenidate. Which is a central nervous system stimulant. That is used to treat attention deficit oh, hyperactivity disorder or ADHD. <laughs> and then Callie is looking for the phone. That's why she's creeping up. That's why she's being a creep and going around the house trying oh, to Oh, yeah, saying, that's right. A creep. But yeah, she's checking out the house and she's looking for the phone. And then you can see that the phone is not there. Where's the phone? With Lena and Steph. Because. I guess they have. The it's a only... protocol, I think. It uh, yeah, still because like they seem to be that seems to be the only phone, and every time they leave, I have noticed that they do grab the phone. <laughs> the phone's <laughs> never there. It's, it's always um, what is it? Low battery because <laughs> it's never on the charger. Oh weird. Yeah, so Kelly is still walking around the house looking for a phone, and she finds uh, Brandon's room. And then he's playing the piano, kind of distracted. So she takes his phone, sees his phone, takes his phone. I thought he was reading a book because he had to do Moby Dick homework. I believe no, he was. No, I think he was on his piano no, with yeah. his little headphones because he had headphones yeah, on. He had headphones, but he was reading. I don't know. Well, he was doing something. He was distracted, <laughs> that obviously. Distracted. Yes. He was, she she snuck. Which is funny, though, too, because she makes a really loud noise and he, like, turns because over, stares. But it makes me laugh because, like, if he knew his phone was charging, this is just some just a bit of attention to detail, man. Like, I would have been, I would have made myself aware. But this is in the early '90s when phones were like they didn't have apps in the phone. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I know. iPhone. Like, you're a 16 year old teen. There's and no I get it. It's early there. 2000, so I get it. He's it's not glued. <laughs> but it's still like, she like just, you know, pulls it off the charger and walks out with it, which is cool. And then, oh, by the way, she somehow unlocks it too, which I, know, I don't want to like, I don't want to bring movie magic okay. into this. But... Anyways, it's a show. <laughs> of course. But yeah, so she does the number and then she says, hey, baby. Yeah, it's me. I'm out and I'm coming. I promise, Jude. I just have to figure out how to get there. Hangs up the phone. The next day. I mean, this is where we're trying to figure out, like, who's Jude? Who is she trying to call? Yeah. I was trying to read. uh, I was trying to read. I was trying to, like, think ahead. And I was like, doesn't... Oh, no, that's later on in the scene. But, yeah. So it flashes on to the next morning when, what, they're getting ready for school? Yeah. And they're going to take her. That's where um, she... Uh, finds out that Lena is the vice principal at the school and everybody goes there. So the twins go there, Brandon goes there, Callie is going to go there now. Yep. They make Brandon show Callie around campus, even though Brandon wants to practice piano for his final competition tonight. And so Callie's like, all right, let's go. Let's go practice your piano. Because in five seconds after leaving her, there she got the, all the stairs from the school. So she didn't want to be singled out. Yeah, she Smart. was. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so Brandon tells Kelly how he wrote a song for the competition about the night that Steph and Lena asked Brandon if it was okay to bring the twins home. And I thought that that was a really nice scene because he accepts that the twins are his brother and sister. Like he's never like, oh yeah, you know, they're just the kids that got adopted. Adopted. Like he accepted them into their family. And that's really nice to see. Like it's, it's a really 
it's a really nice thing to see because like for me, I want to look into, you know, being a foster mom in the future. And I know Jordan wants a sibling. And so I'm like, huh, like, I wonder how he would act like if I brought like another kid, you know, into the house and how he if he would be, you know, accepting of that or not accepting of it. Like, does he want a sibling that comes out of me or does he just want another playmate kind of thing, you know? But it does make me think about like the future of like, okay, I wonder how Jordan's going to react to that. Um, But it's a little melody that Brandon plays for Callie. And then he's telling him or sorry, he's telling her about how the melody is representing like each part of the family, which is like, again, really nice because it's piano and I like piano. I mean, it was very beautifully wound too, like he explains to her you know like she was like well it has no words in it so how do you know what it says and he's like well just listen Mm -hmm. and like in a way he's explaining that like there's music without lyrics that that can explain a lot you know Mm -hmm. yeah and like how he explains the high notes are his parents yeah and then how he slowly incorporated the twins or or how the twins were slowly incorporated into the family and it's become this whole like melodic tune yeah it was really and nice. He was like, and it's crazy because at the end he says, you see how better they all fit together? Mm-hmm. Like in a more like positive manner, he's pushing forth the fact that he has accepted them like for, you know, as his siblings. Yeah. Which is very, it's, it's another nice sweet factor too. I was like, man, this guy's cool. I really, I really respect that because coming like for, out of foster care, you don't really get a lot of kids that are accepting of knowing that their parents are, you know, foster parents or you got usually get a lot of younger siblings who are jealous because, you know, their older foster siblings are living with them. They're like, oh, I used to be the pink of the picture and now you're here. Mm-hmm. Or the older ones look at the younger ones and it's like, dude, you're not even like a part of my family. Why do I have to look out for you? Type yeah. stuff. And I get that. Like, you know, if it's not your blood, you don't. And I understand that. I used but, to get I used to get bullied in one of my foster homes um, by the foster kids. Like, oh, yeah. They weren't even they weren't even like the kids kids, but they've been living there for so long. They'd be like, what are you doing here? Like, you don't belong here. And I'm like, wait, aren't you a foster kid too? And they're like, oh, but I'm the favorite because I was here first. And it was like one boy and one girl. And I think the girl was like already 17. I think I was like eight or nine. It was my first foster home, the eight or nine kind of between that. And they would tell me like, you don't belong here. And they would bully me and then they would do things and then blame it on me. And then they the foster mom wouldn't listen to me she'd be like oh of course i'm gonna believe them they're my children and you know you're new here and i was like oh okay so i i feel it when when it's either you choose or sorry not choose you don't get to choose who you get as a foster sibling Mm -hmm. uh but i remember me feeling that way and then when i would get new foster siblings i would treat them nicer and try to be there for them because i didn't want to ever make them feel like the way that i they made me feel in my other foster home. Yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't, I didn't take that road. Not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Like once, once a couple of them, not broke me, but like, I felt like this is what the norm was going to be. Mm-hmm. I made sure nobody else really pushed me around afterwards. Yeah. Especially if it was in foster care. It didn't matter to me. I was like, it didn't matter if you were my foster sibling, my foster dad or my foster grandpa. Like if you're going to talk to me, Talk to me like a human being, because if not, I'll talk to you the same way you do, because what are you going to do? Hit me? Okay, well, then I just hope you get thrown in jail. Like, I realized as a yeah. kid, 
I may not have a lot of rights, but I have a voice, you know? Mm-hmm. So I quickly, for me, at least in my experience, like, I quickly caught on that, like, kids don't like each other in the foster system. Yeah. And for those to really accept you, like, there's there's a few, but they're willing to really accept you for who you are. Yeah. I know. It's 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 a Full big soul. mix. It's a big mix of, of kids in the system. I mean, you just never know everybody's story everybody has a different story all right so Callie's in class and she hears some keys like kind of jingling and she turns to see that there's some kids you know keys uh sliding on the chair and I thought for a second I'm like is that like PTSD from Juvie (laughs) you know kind of like hearing the keys jingle um the teacher sees her distracted and then asks her a question, even though she hasn't read the material, because, of course, she's new there. It's like her first day. And he says, what would you do if you woke up and found yourself living a nightmare? And then before Callie can answer, you know, the school bell rings, kind of like a save by the bell. But it's very ironic that he asks her that because foster kids wake up and live nightmares constantly. And, like, and it's funny she didn't even answer it but her body language said it all too like, like a, she, and she looked at it she looked around and she was like are you sure I'm not in a nightmare right now like right so so points for irony because I know that's how I, I felt I heard the question I was like wow I felt the know. irony <laughs> so the twins Mariana and Jesus are walking together and Jesus is telling Mariana like hey why oh sorry Jesus is telling Mariana that he wants to go with her to meet Anna, the mom. So, yeah, uh, Jesus is telling Mariana that he wants to go with her to meet Anna, their birth mom. Um, He doesn't want to meet her, but he'll do it for his sister. It's more of a show of support, and she's just sitting there like, why? Yeah. So, Mariana's kind of telling him, like, no, I don't think I'm ready yet. I'd rather not. And Jesus is insisting, like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be your support. But Mariana's like, no, thanks. Peace, I'm out. So it's very nice to, you know, see the the sibling dynamic. It's very kind of important to see how the twins are very supportive of each other. Uh, no matter, you know, like I said, Jesus doesn't want to meet her. But for Mariana, he'll do things for her, his sister. So then Kelly catches up with the kid who had the keys in the class. Remember, she noticed that. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, I was like, oh, a PTSD. But no, it turns out that she noticed, obviously, that he has a car. And she's like, oh, hey, I'm new. Can you show me around? And then mentioned the San Isidro area. She acts like she's interested of like, you know, yeah, like I've heard down there is like really cool. But she also gives away that she's like has somebody to see there. And the kid's like, oh, yeah, like you're trying to use me. So like, no, thanks. So we can see that Callie is trying to get to San Isidro now. Like she was on the phone telling them, hey, I'm on my way. I just need to get know how to get there. And she's traveling, you know, to uh, San Isidro. So south of the border. <laughs> Mariana's in the library now and she's messaging someone. She's like kind of like I aming. And it looks like it. she's talking with somebody named Anna. And if we remember, Anna is her birth mom's name. So Anna is mentioning like, hey, like, let's meet up tonight. And Mariana's more than happy to meet up with her. So Mariana's keeping a secret right there. First, first little, well, actually second little no-no from Miss Little Mariana. Um, It's kind of, you know, 
weird of like, oh, she's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to meet my birth mom. But then she's already secretly like messaging her. I don't think we ever did that. I did. With mom? Yeah. Mm. I talked to mom. Oh, they told me never to. Mm. I didn't care. I mean, as soon as I understood how to get onto Facebook, MySpace, IMing and things like that, yeah, I tried. Yeah. Well, I know you guys, not, you guys have contacted me too. Yeah, yeah, like, and it's yeah. not like, like it was perfect 100% of the time because like, I think the one time I got to talk to mom, I think she had made like a MySpace. And I remember because it had like that one wedding photo, remember like that with like a band. I don't remember if you remember. Well, it wasn't a wedding photo. It was, she, it was kind of like a star shots. Like she took star shots kind of thing. But oh, okay. she went to like a, Party. I remember the pictures because yeah. I remember that picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I talk to one. that quote unquote profile before. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think two or three months into it, it stopped talking to me or she stopped lying. Yeah. And then I felt some type of way and then I deleted it. Um, actually, I didn't, I think I still have MySpace. Oh my God. Bro. Well, I feel like we all have MySpace. We just haven't like logged in. Like, I gotta delete that. <laughs> I, I deleted my Facebook, but I don't think I deleted my MySpace. I don't remember. I gotta hop on, I gotta hop back into that. So, Callie is now trying to get directions to the metro so she can, you know, get down to San Isidro. We're in San Diego, ladies and gentlemen. There's no metro here, by the way. (laughs) She's asking, what's the closest metro station? It's funny because, like, that's you obviously know that she's not from around San Diego where she's from. Yeah. She's probably from LA. Everyone's avoiding her, and Mariana kind of overhears her, and she's like, hey, are you going somewhere? Are you going to go meet your pimp? And it's like, ooh. Callie's like, hmm, are you kidding? Or what did she say? She's like, something about like being confused. Like, are you taking too many of your... Yeah, you must be confused. Are you taking too many of Jesus' pills? Jesus' pills. And they're like... And she's kind of like, uh, uh, uh. And Callie's like, I'm not going to narc. I'm not a narc. I'm going to say anything. After all, having a mom that's a cop must suck. <laughs> and again, Callie is not good with authorities, <laughs> which is a big thing or a characteristic of Callie. And again, but like it's a normal, and I believe like as we find out why she has such a resistance factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, so far judging from why, it's because like I feel like She's a child that hasn't had her, sh- her story heard just yet. Yeah, right? nobody listens to her. And nobody and nobody cares. That's the majority of the foster kids. That's why we have no like regard for authority. Because if you're not willing yeah. to listen to me, yeah. like how you always tell us kids that we have to listen to adults, then right. why us as a kid? Am I really going to listen to you if you're not going to listen to me? Mm-hmm. And so. I'm glad that it's again it's it's gotten better over the years. You know, promises to kids and. uh I think it's voices for children and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just for for this moment, you know, it's a, it's a conundrum. Conundrum it is. So, yeah, Mariana, uh, or sorry, Callie's like, I'm not going to narc. And Mariana's like, if you're leaving, I'm not going to narc on you either. So, cool. And then Callie just says, like, I need to, you know, I have stuff to take care of. It's better if Mariana doesn't know. It's kind of like the the lightly, the less you know, the better. So if the moms start asking questions, you know, she has nothing to say, nothing to hide. Yep. Mariana goes on to say how she can leave the school through the back because Lena, the office is in the front and uh, there's a bus stop three blocks down. 
And Callie's like, cool, thanks. So then now Steph is in the police station and she doesn't have a partner. So she's paired up with a fellow cop named Mike. And it turns out that it was Mike's idea. And although she isn't too happy with that, she has to be okay with it. And I mentioned this because it's foreshadowing of this Mike, who is now her partner partner uh, in, like, you know, cops and things like that. So Jesus asks Mariana for money. Oh, sorry. We're back at the school. And Jesus is asking Mariana for money. And before Mariana can say yes or no, Jesus takes her wallet. And is as like, I just all, need five bucks. <laughs> as all good siblings do. Right. And But he sees that Mariana has a lot of money stashed. And he's like, how'd you get all that money? What you doing, Mariana? <laughs> Mariana dodges the question and hands him a five to get him away. She's like, it doesn't matter. Here, take the money. Bye. We go to Brandon, who is, again, uh, uh, sorry, Callie grabbed his phone to make a phone call. And so Brandon is now getting calls on his uh, phone from an unknown number. And it's a San Isidro number. So Callie's walking towards the back of the school and she tries to casually walk by Brandon, uh, who's with his girlfriend. She's like, yeah, I, you don't see me. I don't see you. You don't see me. I don't yeah, see you. Yeah, but Brandon's got like that older sibling energy where it's like, bro, you still got like a sore thumb. So he sat there and watched her walk away or walk very like awkwardly yeah. away with a binder to her face and was like, yeah, obviously something's up. Where are you and going, girl? Even though he was in a lover moment with his uh, lovely girlfriend, he, you know, has to pull out the sibling card and is like, look, you got to give me some time. And, you know, he's going to go see what's up with Callie. Her. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So now he's following Callie. Asks her where she's going and how she can't fix her stuff if she goes back to Juvie. He's like, hey girl, if you get in trouble, you're gonna go, they're gonna send you back. She's like, uh, he's like, uh, Steph is a cop, you know, and she can track her. And Callie's just annoyed. Well, she's annoyed because like the whole family won't mind their business about her. They're always like asking, like, I mean, Mariana asked her what she's doing when she's leaving, and now like, you know. Uh, yeah. Brandon's telling her like you know what are you doing like it, she just needs to go handle something why can't they just let her go handle it that's why yeah, she's yeah, frustrated yeah. Everybody's in and then business. Brandon starts telling her like well you know uh, we're here to help you like we're like we're yeah. here for you and she's like nah like that's not true like it, like let me handle my stuff until finally Brandon convinces her like look this number that's where we go back to the number that oh yeah, yeah. From. Well, well he's telling Callie like hey we're here to help like and th- they're calling the number's calling and so he's like what the heck like this number just keeps calling me and Callie notices and he's like ah give me the phone answers it and Callie's talking to Jude and yeah. then he gets she gets interrupted or Jude gets interrupted by somebody Who and then hangs up the phone on her Callie's like give me back my brother just kidding <laughs> well, <laughs> well, in that moment, yeah, because like He's Brandon like, put does, Jude back on the phone. yeah, because Brandon's like, "Who's Jude? Your boyfriend?" And then like she sits there, stares at him, and then finally we get to know, oh, that's my little brother, and this yeah. is why. Like now we understand, like from the beginning, why she went to Juvia. Yeah, you know? as as he's telling him, like, "Oh yeah, you're getting the calls because I got your phone last night." <laughs> Sorry about that, but yeah, he's like, "Who's that? Your boyfriend?" And she's like, "No, my little brother." It's my little brother. So Brandon's like, tell my mom. Like, you know, she's a cop. And Callie's like, no. Like, I don't want the cops involved. Like, I just want to go see my brother. Yeah. So uh, she tells Brandon that Stephanie will look at the system. Or sorry, not Stephanie. (laughs) 
She tells Brandon that Steph will look at the system and see the complaints that her foster father made against her. And that's when we know that it's the foster mm-hmm. dad. Uh, and then Callie will just be back at Juvie. Like, nobody's going to listen to her. That's why she she's has that problem. She's trying to do this you know, all under, yeah. She's not trying to have nobody involved but herself. Yeah. She's trying to save her she's, brother. She doesn't want her to get back, stuck back in Juvie. And then for uh, Jude to be stuck in that foster home. Alone. So... She's trying to go for Jude, and Brandon's like, all right, let's go. Let's go get your brother. So while they're going on the bus, uh, Callie's telling, like, Brandon about the competition. Like, hey, don't you have a competition to go to? And that's really cool, too, because, like, he really drops, like, everything. He's like, nah, like, this is a little bit more important, you know? Which, once again, is really cool. It kind of shows Callie, like... He's being a good brother, like a good foster brother in a sense, you know, trying to be there for her and and take care of her because his mom also did ask him like, hey, step up, you know, be be the man in charge. Yeah. Um. So then Brandon's curious, curious and asks Callie, like, what happened at the foster home? And then Callie tells him, like, the foster dad caught Jude wearing one of the ex-wife's dresses and he started beating up Jude. And Brandon's kind of taken by surprise, like, what? Like, he doesn't believe that a foster parent would ever hit a kid. Let alone a parent would hit their child. I mean, yeah. Uh, But that's that's just one of the things where a lot of people don't know. They think like, oh, yeah, you know, the kids in foster care are all safe. Like, they're being taken care of, at least. But that's not the case. And some people just do it for the paycheck. And some people do it because they actually care about the kids and they want to, you know, help the kids and and help them strive and and have a better future. But other people are just like, oh, I get paid for this. Give me the money. Who cares? It's just a kid. Mm. All he needs is water and food and whatever clothes that he can get. And, you know, so um, when Callie uh, tells him that the foster parent like hit jude and and brandon's all like what like no that's crazy she's like yeah like he used to beat me up all the time um but with her like she's like i don't care if he hits me but he started hitting my little brother and i'm like hey anna so she tried to stop him try to defend her little brother and you know the foster dad hit her back kicked her in the stomach so beat her yeah Callie was like oh all right i'm gonna hit you where it hurts more or the most, or, you know, hit the foster dad where it hurt, hurts the Which, most. She grabbed a baseball bat, and she began beating her foster da- dad's Trans Am. What's the Trans Am? That's what I was going to ask. The Carito. The Carito. It's a uh, the type of car that he has. Trans. Oh, his car. Okay. Yeah. So when the cops came, the dad, the foster dad, told them that she went crazy, and that he was just defending himself, and no one cared or listened to her side of the story. So that's when we get that reveal of like why Kelly is very like, I'm going to do it myself. Like she doesn't care about anybody who's trying to help her because at the end of the day, like nobody really listens to her. Nobody cares about what she feels or what she wants. Like it's always like do this, do that. And that's that. She's basically ready to become the one man, uh, one woman army. Mm-hmm. Basically. So we're go. This setting is back at the house, like the original house of Lena and um, Steph's, where everybody lives. So Lena comes down 
and Mariana begins to act as if she's like feeling sick. And she's like, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go upstairs and lie down. I feel sick. I, I don't want to go to Brandon's piano competition. Cause remember Brandon still has that piano competition that he just kind of shrugged off. And then Lena asked Jesus about Mariana. Like Lena knows, Hey, I know she's acting like she's pretending to be sick. Like why though? And Jesus is like, I don't know. I don't know why. So then Steph gets home and Lena tells Jesus to get ready for Brandon's piano competition. Everybody's getting ready for this competition except who? Brandon. <laughs> Lena mentions to Steph that something is up with the twins. So they notice, you know, they're their kids. They notice. And well, they at least Lena lo- notices at first. Like again, like, yeah, that those are her kids. But she notices at first, mentions it to Steph, you know, and... At first, Steph just tries to tell her not to shrug it off, but just be like, you know, they're just they're just going through their what did she say? Like about the birthing mother, right? Like, yeah, yeah. She was like, like she's probably just uh, um, feeling. I think it was like nervous or feeling like some 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 tor- type of way towards like meeting their. Yeah, family. and then she was like, if they don't come around, if she comes around, she will, and if she doesn't, then she doesn't. She doesn't you know, yeah. To kind of give um, what's her name? Um, like maybe it's a lot of pressure for Mariana. Yeah, exactly. Like meeting the birth mom. Again. Exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, they don't realize they, what's been going on this entire time. Yeah, like they may not be ready, so like everything's okay. You know, give them that time. And it just gives Lena that, uh, like I said, it just gives her that reassurance that Steph wants to kind of like mm-hmm. reassure her. So yeah, she just basically tells her, "Oh, I don't think about it too hard." Yeah. So Steph is now telling Lena the news from work. About how she's paired now with Mike. And Lena's like, I don't know how to feel about that. And Steph is just reassuring her, like, it's just Mike. Like, doesn't matter. The doorbell rings and speak of the devil. It's Mike. Guess what? Mike is Brendan's biological dad. So he's Steph's ex-husband. So that's the next character that we, you know. So it's kind of like a... Two moms, one dad kind of family situation. Because he's still, even though he's Brandon's biological dad, he still kind of looks out for the kids. So Lena's yelling for Brandon, you know, saying like, hey, your dad's here. It's time for the competition. And he's also she's also talking to Mike about telling him like, oh, so it was your idea, you know, to be Steph's partner. And like, I don't know how I feel about that. And Mike's like, hey, it was either me or a rookie. And he feels better about protecting Steph because, again, he cares about all the kids. He mentions, like, you have all the kids to think about. So what better person to take care of her than me? Like, that's why it's best to be partners. Lena backs down and she's like, as a feminist, I'm offended. But as Steph's wife, thank you. (laughs) I mean, because she understands, like, yes, like, why would my or why would my current wife and her ex-husband be partnered together? But at the same time, she has to understand it's their job. Yeah. They they would eventually have to be partnered together if mm-hmm. at some point the situation ever arise, which it did. Yeah. So and I mean, again, he's just there to yeah, protect like, her. Like he like said, it's not, yeah. he's not trying to get back with her. He's like, I'm just trying to protect her. Like, but look at all these kids. We got thirty thousand. And kids again, that that is the mother of his child. So it makes sense. Exactly. Like, that's two words. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can also agree with him. Like, yeah, dude. I mean, that's the like if if I had the chance to work with the mother of my child as a police officer, if we were both playing that scenario, and I had the chance, yeah, yeah I would take it. I'd be like, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm not trying to get anything out of this. 
I just want to make sure you live long enough to help our child be You're okay. Safe, I'm safe. We all yeah. safe. Yeah, like you watch my back, I watch yours. At least in the at least at least in the eyes of the law, you can watch my back and I watch yours, even if yeah. in life we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Brendan's taking a long time to come downstairs, uh, and Jesus is like, Brendan ain't here yet. He left with Callie. They saw Callie and him, and he was showing Callie around school. And uh, Mike comments about how they feel like they have to take in strays, like it's a homeless shelter. And I'm like, that's so mean. Like, as much as Mike, you're a cool guy and everything, but like, why would you say like, oh, why do you feel like you have to take in strays? Like, don't call foster kids strays. That's mean. That's rude. That's that's hurtful. This is uh, an example of what I like to call... Um... What's the word? Uh, misinformed people, or like at least um, misguided adults. Yeah. Because most adults are under the impression, like if they haven't really talked, and I, and I can say this out of experience, if they haven't really talked to a foster kid, if they haven't really experienced the foster system through either being a foster parent or, or just volunteering at like a at a at like a like a what's it called at like a. Like a youth center, like a mm-hmm. I don't really like, yeah. I'm it, like I'm like literally blanking on the names right now. Like the children's center, and well, like group homes or or facility homes. There we go, facility okay. homes. Sorry guys, but like unless they've really been in there, they're gonna really treat us like like yeah, we're like a bunch of homeless stray kids that don't seem to be out of order, seem to be out of whack. When in reality, there's multiple reasons why a child could be in foster care. Yeah, one of the biggest stemming reasons. Not even gonna lie, is tra- trafficking. At least here in the, in California and border, it's trafficking. Some form of trafficking that this child was taken from their parent. Yeah. It's never usually oh because you know I just didn't want to listen to my mom anymore, and I just felt like being a, a wild child was the best thing. You know. Yeah, that's, that's never the case. Lena's trying to call Brandon. Brandon's not answering. Mike is insisting that maybe he's already at the competition. Like, let's go. Steph, being the mom cop, is like, hey. We've, we have apps to track these kids. Find let's, iPhone. <laughs> right? Let's just track them. And they also track the phones because Jesus kept losing his. Ironic. Yeah, bring bring that little detail. I love that she was very quick to that, too. She was very quick to She was like, I did this for family protection. Also because that one likes to lose his phone every day. Like, oh, yeah. They, you know, like that's, that's something nice that you need to throw your kid under the bus for. Lena calls Talia, who is Brandon's girlfriend, as we've seen before. And um, Talia is like, oh, yeah, Brandon and Callie were together after seventh period. Steph locates Brandon's phone, and it's in sunny old San Isidro. Mike, Steph, and Lena decide to drive to San Isidro to get them. Because they at first are under the impression that they may be going to Tijuana. TJ, TJ. So Jesus goes over to take his pills, but notices something odd. He goes up to Mariana and tells her that Brandon and Callie are missing since after school. And then he asks her, hey, have you taken any of my pills? That was a good way to get in there too, by the way. Like just nonchalantly opening the door and telling them, oh yeah, hey, by hey, the way, by they're the way, missing. This is happening. And uh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. No, he dropped <laughs> well, the hammer too. Attention. Yeah, well, I have your undivided attention. Did you take or did you not? Or did you take my like my medicine? Did you or did you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like He mentions how his new bottle that he just got is almost out. Jesus confronts Mariana, asking her if she's selling the pills, and that's how she made all of that money in her wallet. Because remember, she got caught. 
Mariana denies it. And Jesus insists on asking moms if they gave her the money. All right. I'm going to be like, hey, did you guys up her allowance? Why didn't you up my allowance? What's going yeah, on? I mean, he's pretty much about that. <laughs> right. I mean, remember Mariana earlier like, when when Callie goes and gets coffee, just nonchalantly and breaks everybody's morning. She, everybody look at her and he's like, can I get coffee? Can no. Coffee too? <laughs> <laughs> Poor man. Hasn't had a sip of coffee and he's in his team. So, right. Not so, me yeah. though. <laughs> I was sipping on that. Um, Mariana finally caves and tells Jesus, yes, you know, he was doing that. And Jesus is like, why are you doing that? Like, that's stupid. You can go to jail. Why do you need the money? Like, what's going on? And then Mariana's like, I found Anna online. And she literally fumbles the bag and yep. spills the rest of her secrets, you know. Mm-hmm. About how she's been talking to the mom and how um, Mariana said that he didn't want to meet her, but... It's because she didn't want the moms to be all up in the beads wax. Like she wanted to meet her mom, but she didn't want to have like supervision kind of thing. As there was other stuff going around because then Jesus prods a little harder. And then he finds out that she's going to be giving money to their mom. And he was like, Mm -hmm. what was the point? You know, and he gets very upset at her. He's like, come on. Like like she abandoned us. Like, why would you help her? Mm-hmm. and you she, know she's like oh she needs the money to like get changed. better yeah like and he's like no you shouldn't be giving her money and that's true like kids should not be taking care of their parents in that way i understand that there comes a time when parents get older and there is going to be a time where we must take care of our elders but as young kids these kids are kids kids like they're not even when they're like seven or eight they're having like to hustle out a paycheck for a 32 year old there's something wrong with that it should be like when you your mom or dad or it's financially if you are helping your parents financially and it's not for them to actually better themselves you should not be doing that you need to put yourself first it's a lesson that we have had to learn and continue to learn day by day because it's something that we do we also help our mom but there's and- times where it's like enough is enough like we are the children you are our mother well, we are ch- we are your children, but we are no longer children either. Yeah. But um, Mariana uses the excuse saying, well, she came back, you know, she's back and, and I want to help her. As many foster kids use that excuse when yeah. their parent or guardian or whoever, you know, they were taken from comes back after months of setbacks. They'll be like, well, they, they came back. They're saying they're changing. Yeah. But again, actions speak louder than words. Than and words. before Jesus leaves, I remember him telling her, you know, and I thought you were supposed to be the smart one, yep. which left her, which leaves her, sorry, thinking very, very hard on her life. I'm not going to lie. She sat there and pondered herself for a full minute. He got me good. You know, he did. It makes sense, and I and I and I will tip my hat to to Zeus on that because, like, I can completely agree to how he felt. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, when we were going through a process of reunification, which you know it, it didn't end up happening through a series of unfortunate events, I felt very angered, like or anger. Sorry, I felt very angry. I felt betrayed. Mm-hmm. I felt like you know, like somebody had like their priorities straight, and then I no longer became a priority since I felt like being your child or their child was the number one priority yeah um so like jesus you know i i kind of shunned my parent away for a while like for a good while yeah (laughs) and i'm not just nobody's perfect so you know that's why i'm here trying to pick up the pieces as best as possible and and fix it but in this scenario between you know mariana and jesus i honestly side with him 
even yeah, though you know yeah, like maybe maybe when she goes and sees you know her mom and she is changed we never know but in yeah. this scenario i kind of agree with him it's like yeah, if no, you know exactly. what the puzzle pieces were in your face if you know especially what was going on in your face yeah. why are you still trying to feed that habit yeah yeah the only the only counter like i said is is that they're finally meeting up their mom, you know, after all that time. So she kind of has that illusion. Like I remember when mom got out of prison <clears throat> and, uh, you know, was in the halfway home and I was 12 when we saw her again and I was kind of like scared and nervous, but then also excited to see her. And so it was just a bunch of different emotions. So I get what Mariana could be feeling of like, oh my God, I'm going to see my mom again. Like she came back for me. She, you know, she's talking to me. Yes, she asked me for money, but hey, you know, she says that this money is to better herself. And it was always the same thing story with mom too. Like she's been trying to better herself for years now and, you know, has made progress, but it's been, t it's taken her years. So we're at that point where we're like, we finally realize, okay, yeah, like we really need to put ourselves first before we put our parents because- once again, they are the parent and we are the children. We cannot be taking care of our parents without us knowing even how to take care of ourselves. You know, they're supposed to be teaching us. But yeah. So the climax of this story finally arrives. Uh, Brandon and Callie are at her old foster home. Callie sees Jude in the kitchen and tries to get his attention. But, you know, he's he's washing dishes. He's doing his chores. So Brandon is like, I'm going to distract the foster dad. Knocks on the door and is like, hey, I'm lost. I'm looking for directions. Well, Brandon is uh, distracting the dad, the foster dad. Callie sneaks in through the back, uh, but he, she gets caught. Like the, the foster dad realizes like, hey, this is kind of odd. And looks back, sees Callie and is like, get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. And Callie's like, I'm so sorry. Like what I happened, like, I'm just here for Jude. Like I need to see Jude. I'm going to talk to Jude. And the foster dad becomes very aggressive. Like he pulls out a gun. He pulls out a gun. And on. points it at Brandon because in the man's mind, it wasn't so much that Callie was a threat to him. It was more so that Brandon, Brandon was the underlier. Him. Yeah, the complete yeah. underlier. That's why he pointed the uh, Magnum revolver, yeah. by the way. Not just any pistol. It mm -hmm. is a revolver. Yeah. A nice, beautiful three fifth and seven. Well, so um, Steph and Mike and Lena arrive. And they get off the... St uh, Stefan might get off the car because as you know, police officers, Lena stays in the car to call 911. Uh, actually, no. Yeah, Stefan Mike um, are get off and Lena stays in the car and they are going up to the house and they can see that someone is holding a gun from the window. So Mike tells Steph to call 911 um, and... Steph kind of like responds like uh, we're police officers and she takes control because she yeah. really leads. She goes around from behind the house, taking the entrance that Callie took to mm -hmm. get uh, Jude yeah. and, you know, proceeds to do the standard, you know, officer, get your hands up. So while, while she but while she passes through the back door uh, where Callie was, remember where Callie was trying oh, to get Jude's right. attention. She notices. Steph, Jude. Yeah. Steph notices Jude. Um, who's standing by the kitchen, sink still, covering his ears. And the foster dad is screaming at the kids. And that's when Steph barges in through the back and is like telling him, you know, get down on your knees. You're under arrest. And this and this. And then Callie rushes over to Jude 
and she's all like hugging him and kissing him. And Mike uh, goes through the front door where Brandon was at. Uh, and, you know, they finally arrest the dad. And Brandon is just there like, what's happening? My favorite my favorite part <laughs> was when, as they're arresting the foster father, he's like, this is my house. And Mike's like, shut up. Shut up. Like, man, it don't matter if it's in your house. Like, you, you're, you're gonna poking get a gun at the kids. At children, so you're yeah. going to get arrested. Steph notices that Kelly and Jude, um, you know, are in the kitchen and that Kelly's like super protective of Jude, you know, kissing him and asking him if he's okay. And you can tell that Jude is so happy to see Kelly and they're, you know, crying and hugging and embracing. And in that moment, I believe like Steph made a connection to understand why Kelly yeah. was so like, you know, it's because like, she was I doing everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything that she did that day of was to protect her little brother. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We have a. A quick tiny snippet of Mariana at the beach waiting for Anna. And uh, Jesus is calling her, but she's not picking up. So that just kind of like places Mariana at the beach right now. So. She's, oh, I was, like, was going to say, she's very eagerly waiting for her mom because mm -hmm. she can't wait to see her after exactly. all these months, I guess, or mm -hmm. years, sorry, of, of not seeing her. her. And she mm -hmm. wants to see, you know, her mom. And I get it. You know, it's, it's the anticipation and the anxiety, but. Mm hmm. She's about to get a nice wake-up call. So as the foster dad is being arrested, um, Kelly and Jude, you know, walk out with some of his stuff. And Steph is following them. Lena asks Brandon who the kid is. And he tells her that it's Kelly's little brother. So remember, Lena was asking, like, who was Jude? And Kelly didn't get to tell her. But she finally le learns that Jude is Kelly's little brother. Brandon apologizes because he missed the competition, uh, which means no scholarship. But Lena tells him that she doesn't care. Like, they all know that he he literally had a gun to him. Like, nobody cares about you not going to the competition. Like, or you win, not winning $5,000. Your life is yeah, important. Your like, life she cares more, precious, more about yeah. his safety. Yeah, exactly. So, Brandon goes in the car and sits next to Jude. And on Jude's little backpack, you can see the same turtle that was in the bathtub. When Callie was in there all sad. So boom, that was a really nice touch. It was like, oh, that reminds me of my little brother. Which I feel like everything that I saw when I was in foster reminded me of you guys. Because we were kids. And so all the toys and the PlayStation yeah. and this and this and that. Like everything. Like everything gaming. every Everything reminded me of you guys. So it was really hard to keep me like, oh... I was constantly thinking about you guys. Constantly thinking about like how to help you guys. What to do and... I know we've had this conversation earlier, but it's like I was 16 at the time when I got emancipated and I was trying to figure out how to get you guys. But no, I, I did research of what to do. And they were like, you need a house and you need, uh, you know, a job to take care of them and, and be able to um, drive them to appointments. No, hold on. What was the word? Um, oh, my God. Be able to provide, provide for them. And it was like, uh, I can barely provide for myself. And so I did take all those steps to try to get you guys, but I just couldn't. Like, they wouldn't give me well, to you guys. And that, that's what's sad about it. Because I was like, I turn 18 and I'm going to get them. And it's a long process. It's a really it's long process. Saying, and it's also a long process. And by that time, like, I was going to be aging out in four years. Exactly. So I'd rather you guys just age out. That's all, and that's why I told. I know, I know. I told Miguel too. I was like, "You're probably gonna have to age out." He's like, "No, nah, no." Nah. And I was like, "Miguel, I'm telling you, bro, you're gonna have to age out." Like I aged out, bro, and it's cool. 
Sorry. Like, it is yeah. what it is. Like It is what it is. Like, I'm not trying to say that, like, I wouldn't have fought because I wasn't in your same standing, too, dude. I left 17 going to San Marcos. How was I going to be able to take care of my brother? Yeah, I know. And that's what gets me mad, too, because like, it's like, why is Miguel so mad at me when you did yourself, too, of... Like, you did your life, too, of getting out of the system. Like, you know, and 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 it is what, like, when he got out of the system, he saw what, how life was. And that's, that's what I don't get of, like, he knows how the struggle is. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it all just comes down to personal experience and age difference. So, like, in this, you know, scenario. Yeah. I just, I don't get much credit for taking care of you guys and wanting your the best for you guys in foster. Like it was a struggle being the oldest, but it is what it is. You did your best and that's what counts. Yes. So Steph talks to Kelly and how bad the night could have ended, you know, the gun, her not telling her about Jude and being like, you know, Callie says, if you want to send me back to Juvie, that's cool. Just promise me that Jude will be somewhere safe, like out of this foster home. Yeah. And I really like this part because Steph is telling Callie, which again, Callie doesn't trust Steph because of, you know, authority and stuff. But Steph is like, you are not disposable. Like you are not worthless. And there's, those are really nice words to hear as a foster kid because we do feel like that we feel disposable we feel like we can just be sent like oh you don't i don't want you get out of my house and then sent to another foster home we feel worthless we feel like nobody cares we feel like you know at any given moment our life can change could be thrown away could be just reduced to nothing you can you can kind of just simplify it as like a foster kid is like a cow with a tag on its ear waiting for the next butcher to select it and hopefully either actually butcher the cow or give it an actual like free pasteurized life you know what yeah. i'm saying like like either, either, well, yeah, like either that cow yeah. gets rescued either that cow gets rescued or becomes a meat cow that's literally what foster kids are like yeah and it's again it's something that like is very like it's very heartbreaking, you know, when, when, like an ex foster kid, me, like I have to bring that out because it's it's something that I want people to be aware of. Like this is what we feel as kids. It's not mm-hmm. just that we're mad at the world. You got to understand, we view the world as you guys are picking us up like lottery numbers. Yeah. If you're telling me that in two weeks I'm gonna be going to somebody else after I've been living with somebody already for the past three months, yeah. what does that make me feel like? Like it's cattle? very, it's very hard to adapt to each scenario, especially as a kid. Like it, you have to adapt, and they don't give us the time to adapt at times, and and it really does, you know, take a toll on us. Yeah. But for now, Steph, or sorry. Yeah, Steph is telling Callie, like, you know, you're not disposable, you're not worthless. And uh, Lena, you know, is telling them, like, okay, we're going to take you home for now. Callie gets in the car and apologizes to Brandon, telling him, like, you didn't have to come with me. And he was like, yeah, I did. Like, you know, that's what I'm here for as your brother. Wink, wink, cough, cough. So we go back to Mariana, who is still waiting at the beach when she finally meets Anna. The first thing that came out of Alex's mouth was, oh, she's a drug addict when she's when he saw Anna um, while he was watching the episode. 
And yeah, like you can clearly tell, like, you know, the the actress is playing um, Anna's mom is playing very well. Like, you know, that you can tell that she has an addiction. And so Mariana's talking to her, asking her how she's been. And Anna's like, yeah, I'm good. You know, trying to get back on my feet. If I could cut in here real quick before you continue that. I love, though, at the beginning of like when they're showing her mom like coming up from the shadows. Mm -hmm. At first, her face looks normal. Mm-hmm. But as it slowly got closer to Mariana, you can like that, the light really yeah, like hit her. when the light really yeah. hit her, then I was like, oh, whoa, like your mom, yeah, aged. <laughs> your mom looked bad, like yeah, she looked yeah. okay. And then, but then as she got closer, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, your mom's a that yeah. spoon is black. <laughs> I can tell you that. No, I know. I remember seeing it too. It's you know, she just gives those signs of a you know, drug addict, oh, yeah. So Anna instantly basically asks Mariana, like, hey, you have anything for me? And that's when Mariana gives her, like, that big wad of cash that she has been saving for her. Even though they only had, like, a 30-second in, in, in introduction, kind introduction of. slash exchange of words where it was like, hey, yeah. mom, I haven't seen you in a while. It's great to see you, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden yeah. she, like, cuts to her. Like, yeah. What? what do you have for me? And then gives her the money. And then you can tell that she feels guilty about it. Like, Anna feels guilty about it. But not as much because she quickly then tells her, tries to like usher her away and was yeah, like, okay, like, so oh, don't you have anywhere to you be gotta now? Go home now? And you know, your folks are probably wondering like where you are. And Mariana kind of sees that. She's kind of like, wait, what? Like you're just here for the money and gone. And she kind of like snaps back. She's like, my mom's, like my mom's would be worried because Mariana knows that she has a loving and caring family. Like she re- kind of realizes in that moment, like, Wow, like coming of age. You're my mom, but you don't even care to see how I actually am. You just accepted this and you're trying to push me off already. And so because Anna, yeah. Yeah, because she's been taken care of by them and adopted, you know, and it's exactly. she, she's been there with them with them eight years. Like that's more than half her life. Mm-hmm. So Anna kind of says, like, okay, you know, thanks, thanks for the money, and walks away. And it's like, wow. Like that, that really hit home, you know, that really, really hit home. It really let her sink in the fact that her mother was only there for the cash. Only sweet toothed her, sweet talked her until she got her main objective. Mm -hmm. And when her main objective was completed, she literally disengaged. Bye-bye. Leaving her child emotionally wrecked, by the way, because when she leaves Anna or Anna, Mariana is still sitting there like. Yeah, she couldn't even believe it. She was like, I was expecting a better outcome. And yeah. Unfortunately. I know, it's really sad to see. So, we're finally coming to the ending scene where, well, Lena is telling Steph that, you know, she she told Bill, like, they'll stay with us tonight, that he can pick him up tomorrow. And Steph is now have that, she's had that change of heart where she's like, no, 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 no. Like we cannot send them back into the system. Like at least not right now after what happened, you know, this whole scenario of Callie going back for her brother, the foster dad pulling out a gun is traumatizing. Like I cannot imagine being in that situation. And uh, Lena is like, are you sure? Like there's no room for them in the house, you know? And Steph makes, or sorry, Steph states we will make room. And that's also like really nice. Like it's, it's something that 
once again, you can see that there's foster parents out there who care and will make room for kids. Like, it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. Like, they need a home to stay. And and that's really nice. You know, I remember when um, I went into my foster home and they took in, we had three beds in the room, but it was like two beds and there was one bed under mine. So it kind of like slid out. And they took in like an emergency and she couldn't stay there because she they couldn't have three kids, but she had an extra bed for an emergency. And I think the girl only stayed there for two, three days and then she was she left. But, you know, our my foster mom opened the doors for her and was like, okay, you know, it doesn't matter. You can't stay here, but as a temporary kind of stay, like I will take her in and, you know, give her a house to to stay, which once again is really nice. To know that there's foster parents out there who will do anything to protect the children and not just, you know, oh, okay, yeah, no, I don't want them or no, there's no room for them or like we can't take care of them. That's another mouth to feed or like another, you know, responsibility. Like it, it just, it goes, like we've always said, it's, it's a kind of like a hand in hand kind of thing of it could go one way or the other. You know, we just never know. So everybody, you know, is in the car ready to drive home. And once they arrive home, you know, Jesus... Oh, sorry. When we get back to the house, Jesus is waiting outside for Mariana, who is walking back very disappointed, of course. And then finally, you know, the other family arrives with Callie and Jude. And, you know, they all present like, oh, hey, you know, this is Jude. And Mariana's like, hey, welcome home. And da, da, da. And they all walk in together. Door closes. And that is the first episode of The Fosters. Woo! <laughs> So reviews, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I know that it was quite long, but um, there's just so much, so many things that, you know, we touched on that really resonated like with our lives and our experiences and also, you know, kind of like a new view. Would you say like a new viewpoint or no point of view? <laughs> a new point of view, yeah. What's wrong with me? It's late. It's a new point of view uh, of like different situations that foster kids can find themselves in. But I hope that you guys like this and um, we will continue to do this series. Uh, I will continue to make Alex watch. <laughs> she won't have I let to him borrow my watch. Hulu, so <laughs> he has to. For the record, Your Honor, and since we're, I'm, I'm, I'm apparently on trial now, viewers. Um, <laughs> The first episode of The Fosters was an amazing show. Like, I can't wait to really watch the rest of the series. And then hopefully the season two character change doesn't really mess it up. <laughs> but um, I have high hopes for Callie. I do hope, you know, as I get to understand her better in her scene, like, you know, I'll probably find more scenarios in which her and I can relate to. Spot and probably like even with Steph, because I've had some foster parents that were not in law enforcement, yeah. but were like law enforcement esque, you know, like seven AM curfew, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Like very like like almost it, like it was like a strong almost authority. Like drill instructor. Yeah. And you know, like to my foster parent <laughs> to my one foster parent, if you're listening to this and you were you were an amazing drill instructor, you know, helping me grow up, but I hate you. Uh, but I hate you no but um, thank you for doing this with me thank you for enjoying the show I mean watching the show <laughs> oh, no, the pleasure is really, all mine <laughs> I really hope uh, that more people you know watch the show as well and 
once again kind of get that view of the different scenarios that foster kids you know go through and have a little bit more of an understanding um but thank you all for listening and thank you alex for being here of course thank you so much i love you so much i love myself too but i love you as well wow thanks that's that's great but you know follow us on facebook instagram um if you have not uh, searched us up on Spotify, she is on Spotify, my sister. Spotify, Apple, Fostering, Google, iHeartRadio. Oh, you're on iHeartRadio now? Yeah. But Interesting. I've been on iHeartRadio. You can be on iHeartRadio. Can you go live on iHeartRadio? Imagine Fostering Growth Podcast live on iHeartRadio. I barely That'd can do this pre-recorded. Cool. Want me to do it live? People get bloopers. Like, iHeartRadio, Google, Spotify. Podbean, Amazon Music. Oh, that's iHeartRadio. Oh, that's. So just follow iHeart. Fostering Growth out on all Samsung, platforms. Boom Play. Out on all platforms. Player FM. Uh, and Podchaser. There we go. Yeah. All platforms streaming. Um, <laughs> five star <laughs> reviews get told on all the comments. Remember that five star review, you might get it reviewed. Next episode. Um. You can find us on Instagram at fostering.growth.pod, Twitter at foster underscore growth with two H's. <laughs> um, Facebook, you can search us up as fostering growth pod uh, and email us at fostering.growth.pod at gmail.com. And like I've said before, share your experiences share your story your testimony make it anonymous it's okay you don't have to put yourself out there but we will never use your personal information we really want to share more information so that we can bring awareness and with your help we can you know shed some light you know on, on a lot of these factors you know and situations and we love you guys we care we're here you can email me just to say hey doesn't matter thank you guys i'm really tired it's like 12 it's one in the morning it's one in the morning we did it well okay we got this amazing rock paper scissors until next time ladies and gentlemen but um it's been your host laura and alex my name is laura thank you laura and alex sorry you're right bye guys <laughs>